the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Joshua. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. There have been many times I can attest over the years where somebody has told me something and you just kind of get riled up inside, like, well, I can't believe it. And then you hear the rest of the story and then you realize, wow, I'm glad I didn't resort to violence there because I would have been completely in the wrong. And it's a terrible thing to even draw conclusions in our heads about stuff solely based on what we hear that someone said. He said, she said. It's so easy to get wrapped up in that game and to draw conclusions about people just from what someone else said. We'd like to think it's just a problem at school or at work, but we know it's even a problem in the church. In his message today, Pastor Gary will challenge you to rise above hearsay. There's a reason hearsay isn't permissible in a court of law. Don't jump to conclusions. If you're troubled about something you've heard, talk directly to that person. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Joshua, chapter 22, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. All right, we're here in Joshua, chapter 22. We left off right around verse 10. And so I'm going to start reading there, but let's first have a word of prayer. Lord, it's good to be in your house. We're grateful for the opportunity now to open up our Bibles and to study your word. We know that you are the one who saves souls and you heal bodies and you restore marriages and you bind up the brokenhearted and you return the prodigals home and you do so many wonderful healing, restoring, saving things that we stand in awe of your goodness and of your grace. We ask you now to bless this time in your word. It's your word, Lord. We pray you would use it to speak to us tonight as we just humble ourselves before you and as we seek your face. We love you and we praise you together in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Now, before I begin reading here, Joshua 22 is where we are, right around verse 10. Uh, Let me remind you what has happened. The land of Israel has been uh, divided by lot to the various 12 tribes of Israel. The only exception to the division is that one of the tribes, Manasseh, half of them wanted to live on the eastern side of the Jordan River, and the other half of the tribe wanted to live on the western side. So you have a split with the tribe of Manasseh. You have half on the eastern side and half on the western side. Two and a half tribes, as I alluded to, are on the eastern side of the Jordan River. You have the tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Gad, 
and half of the tribe of Manasseh. And so when you get here to chapter 22, the fighting in the land of Canaan uh, is over. The Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, they've all been subdued. Now, unfortunately, the Israelites were not completely obedient. They didn't drive them out completely. There are some pockets of these various tribal groups within the land of Israel. It will come back to haunt the Israelites, but for the time being, the Israelites have subdued the land. They've taken over the land. They have laid claim to their right to be in the land because God gave this land on oath to their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so after dividing the land, two and a half tribes are on the eastern side of the Jordan River. Well, in chapter 22, because the fighting is over, when Joshua then basically uh, discharges the army and he allows the Israelites now, the war is over, the fighting is done, and uh, he allows them to go back to their respective homes and to live in their respective territories. Well, two and a half tribes on the eastern side of the Jordan River, as they go back, they decide we're going to build a big altar to God uh, right here by the Jordan River, and it will be a lasting memorial and a testimony that even though we're on the eastern side and the rest of our brothers, the majority are on the western side of the Jordan River, we still belong to them and we still serve the same God. Now, they didn't build this altar as an altar of sacrifice. They built this altar as an altar of memorial to remember to honor God as a visible, tangible reminder to both sides on the Jordan River, hey, we're in the same family, we worship the same God, just because we live on the eastern side of the Jordan River doesn't mean that we don't belong to you and vice versa. So that was their intent. Some people see the altar and they don't know all the facts and they jump to conclusions. Now, I know when we read this, some of you are going to think, well, this doesn't apply to me because you've never jumped to a conclusion in your life. Well, I don't know what else you're lying about, but, but we've all, at different times, jumped to conclusions before we had all the facts. And so here we go, here in chapter 22, verse 10. And when they came to the region of the Jordan, which is in the land of Canaan, the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh, here's these two and a half tribes, they built an altar there by the Jordan, a great, impressive altar. Now the children of Israel heard someone say, and as we mentioned, write down in your Bibles the word hearsay. That's what it is. I heard someone say. You know this is going to unravel right from the beginning here. The children of Israel, the the other tribes on the western side, heard someone say, Behold, the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh built an altar on the frontier of the land of Canaan in the region of the Jordan on the children of Israel's side. And when the children of Israel heard of it, The whole congregation of the children of Israel gathered together at Shiloh to go to war against them. Isn't this amazing? These are their brothers. They are ready to engage them in war over something that they heard before they even get clarification on the matter. Now, there's a reason why this is called hearsay, and there's a reason why hearsay, for those of you who are attorneys, you understand, or those of you who are not attorneys because we're Christians, understand that's a joke. That's a joke. You can be a Christian attorney. We have wonderful Christian attorneys here. They're going to sue me for that. But, but, 
But those of us who are lay people and those who are educated in the law know that hearsay, for the most part, is not admissible in a court of law. Why? Because you can't give testimony about something that you heard, but if you didn't hear it yourself, that's hearsay. So you can't say, well, for example, in a court of law, you can't say, well, Mary told me that Tom went out of town. Well, do you know for a fact that Tom went out of town, or are you only telling me what you heard Mary say? Because that's hearsay. You don't know that from first-hand information. That's second-hand or sometimes third-hand information. That's why it's not admissible in a court of law. That's hearsay. It's a dangerous thing when we jump to conclusions because of things that we hear, and they've jumped to such a conclusion, they want to kill their fellow Israelites because they think that their fellow Israelites have abandoned the worship of God at the tabernacle, which at this time was located in Shiloh, And that they've set up their own altar to worship God their own way, or perhaps they're not even worshiping the true God. They've just built this altar to worship other gods. So they come unraveled. They come unglued here. And they're ready to go to war. They're sharpening their swords over something that they've heard. Assumption leads to accusation. Communication leads to clarification. What they needed was to communicate. They needed to ask, hey, what's the deal here? What's going on? Help me to understand. This is good advice for anybody who's married. (laughs) If there's a misunderstanding, don't jump to a conclusion. Just say gently, okay? Because we all know as men, it's not what you say, it's how you say it, right? Okay? Very quietly, gently. Use your indoor voice. Hi. Hey, can you help me understand? And then it gives the opportunity for somebody to say, oh, that's not what I meant. This is what happened, or this is what I meant, or whatever the deal is. And then there's clarification when there's communication. But if you just jump to conclusions, then you're going to make these accusations based on assumptions. So here we go. So here's what they do. Verse 13. Then the children of Israel sent Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, to the children of Reuben, to the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Okay, so they send the priest's son. Uh, you're going to go on the special envoy. You're going to find out what the deal is here. And along with him, verse 14, 10 rulers, one ruler, each from the chief house of every tribe of Israel, and each one was the head of the house of his father among the divisions of Israel. And then they came to the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, to the land of Gilead, and they spoke with them, saying, now notice, they're going to jump right into commentary, not questions for clarification. They just jump right in. Look at what they say. Verse 16. Thus says the whole congregation of the Lord. What treachery is this that you have committed against the Lord of Israel to turn away this day from following the... Look at these assumptions. You're turning away from the Lord in that you have built for yourselves an altar that you might rebel this day against the Lord. Is the iniquity of Peor... So they start to revisit their own history. Is the iniquity of Peor not enough for us from which we are not cleansed till this day? Although there was a plague in the congregation of the Lord, but that you must turn away this day from following the Lord? And it shall be, if you rebel today against the Lord, that tomorrow he will be angry with the whole congregation of Israel. Nevertheless, if the land of your possession is unclean, then cross over to the land of the possession of the Lord, where the Lord's tabernacle stands, and take possession among us. But do not rebel against the Lord, nor rebel against us by building yourselves an altar besides the altar of the Lord our God. 
Did not Achan, the son of Zerah, commit a trespass in the accursed thing, and wrath fell on all the congregation of Israel, and that man did not perish alone in his iniquity? Okay, that's, that's their speech. Now, notice, you know, the people on the eastern side of the Jordan River are getting confronted this way, and they're having to stand there just listening to all this. You know, what, you want to go back and visit the days of Peor? Remember Achan, what happened to him? And you've abandoned the Lord your God. What are you doing? And if you don't like living on that side, you could have come over and our side before building this fake altar unto God, because that's not the real altar. The real altar is in Shiloh. They're going off like this. Okay. Now, when they get the answer, I picture it like in a movie, like you just went off like, and then you get clarification. And then the one who's like, goes, oh, never mind. You know, this is what's going to happen. They're going to be like, oh, never mind. So look at, listen to what happens. Verse 21. And then the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh answered and said to the heads of the divisions of Israel, the Lord God of gods, the Lord God of gods. Okay, in the name of God, they're, they're like, he knows. And let Israel itself know. If it is in rebellion or if in treachery against the Lord, do not save us this day. Like, Go ahead and kill us. If we've done something wrong, kill us. If we have built ourselves an altar to turn from following the Lord, or if to offer on it burnt offerings or grain offerings, or if to offer peace offerings on it, let the Lord himself require an account. So they're saying, if we built this as an altar of sacrifice, we're doomed. But, verse 24, but in fact, we have done it for fear, for a reason, saying... In time to come, your descendants may speak to our descendants, saying, What have you to do with the Lord God of Israel? For the Lord has made the Jordan a border between you and us, you children of Reuben and children of Gad. You have no part in the Lord. And so your descendants would make our descendants cease fearing the Lord. Therefore, we said, Let us now prepare to build ourselves an altar, not for burnt offering, nor for sacrifice, but that it may be a witness, the Hebrew word there is aid, A-Y-D, that it might be a witness between you and us and our generations after us, that we may perform the service of the Lord before him with our burnt offerings, with our sacrifices, and with our peace offerings, that your descendants may not say to our descendants in time to come, you have no part in the Lord. Therefore, we said that it will be when they say this to us or to our generations in time to come that we may say, here, here's the replica of the altar of the Lord, which our fathers made, though not for burnt offerings nor for sacrifices, but it is a witness between you and us. Far be it from us that we should rebel against the Lord and turn from following the Lord this day to build an altar for burnt offerings, for grain offerings or for sacrifices besides the altar of the Lord, our God, which is before his tabernacle. Okay, so here's their reply. They're just like, you guys have jumped to conclusions. We didn't build this altar to sacrifice anything on. We built this altar as a witness, aid, as a witness between us and you. Because here's what's likely to happen. And they anticipated this. Your descendants are going to accuse our descendants that because we're living on the eastern side of the Jordan River, we have forsaken the Lord and you're not really part of us. And we want this altar here to serve as a lasting witness, as a memorial, as a statement that we belong to you as much as you belong to us and we all serve and worship the same God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
We built this altar strictly as a witness between us and you, not for any wrong reasons. And so they declare all this. They say all this. And it says in verse 30, Now when Phinehas, the priest, and the rulers of the congregation, the heads of the divisions of Israel who were with him, heard the words that the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the children of Manasseh spoke, it pleased them. So this is where they're like, oh, okay, never mind. You know, we came with swords drawn, but all right, uh, we, we won't kill you. Okay. Verse 31, And then Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, said to the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the children of Manasseh, This day we perceive that the Lord is among us, because you have not committed this treachery against the Lord And now you have delivered the children of Israel out of the hand of the Lord. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the priest, and the rulers returned to the children of Reuben and the children of Gad from the land of Gilead to the land of Canaan to the children of Israel and brought back word to them. So the thing pleased the children of Israel and the children of Israel blessed God. They spoke no more of going against them in battle to destroy the land where the children of Reuben and Gad dwelt. The children of Reuben and the children of Gad called the altar witness aid, for it is a witness between us that the Lord is God. Okay, so uh, they averted a disaster there of civil war over what? Hearsay. If there's any inclination uh, in our lives to jump to conclusions to make assumptions which often lead to accusations, stop it. Ask questions, communicate, find out more information. You know, there have been many times, I can attest over the years, where somebody has told me something and you just kind of get riled up inside, like, well, I can't believe it. And then you hear the rest of the story and then you realize, wow, I'm glad I didn't resort to violence there because I would have been completely in the wrong. And it's a terrible thing to even draw conclusions in our heads about stuff solely based on what we hear that someone said. It's a very dangerous thing. You know, in Proverbs eighteen seventeen, it says, the first to state his case seems right until another comes and examines him. Another way of saying that is, um, you know, When someone says something to you first, there's always another side to the story. And you must always give the benefit of the doubt first, and then investigate. But give the benefit of the doubt. Can I just say to you sincerely, over my years of pastoral ministry, there have been a number of people who have confided in me how their lives have been ruined Because people jumped to conclusions and made assumptions and accusations that were not true. It's a terrible thing to ruin someone's character reputation based on lies and hearsay. We must be truth seekers and truth tellers. Don't jump to conclusions. Hold your tongue. Ask questions. Investigate if necessary. But get the other side of the story. Give someone that benefit of the doubt. If you love them enough as a brother or sister, get the other side of the story. I can't emphasize this enough. How many people have been destroyed by someone's gossip or someone's just repeating of a hearsay 
and has no basis, no truth, but now, because enough people have said it or heard it said, it sticks and it's destructive. And we as Christians particularly need to be above this kind of thing. Hearsay has no place, and especially acting on hearsay has no place in the life of a believer as a Christ follower. All right, we get here to these last two chapters, and these are actually going to be kind of quick reads. I know that they're long, but these are dialogues, and I'm just going to um, share with you right up front. Here's what they are. These are Joshua's final exhortations. He's about to die. We find out at the end of the book that he dies at the age of 110. And uh, it tells us here in the first few verses of chapter 23, it says, Now it came to pass a long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies around about that Joshua was old, advanced in years. Now, some Bible scholars believe there's about 15 to 17 year gap between chapter 22 and chapter 23. And so Joshua is now old and advanced in age. It says in verse 2, And Joshua called for all Israel, for their elders, for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers, and said to them. Okay, so there's no real way to gather the entire nation. So he calls for the leaders. He calls for the elders. He calls for the heads, the judges, and the officers, and the army. And he basically is going to speak to them, and then they're going to disseminate the information. And he starts out there by saying, I am old, advanced in age. I am old, advanced in age. The Hebrew here is very beautiful in the language. The Hebrew is zakin ba'abayamim. Zakin ba'abayamim. And it literally means, I am old and in the twilight of my years, the setting of the sun. It's very poetic language here. The, the word zakin means old, ba'ab means the setting of the sun, and bayamim means the days of. So he, he says, I'm living in the days of the setting of the sun in my life. My life is coming to a close. I know I'm soon going home. And so these are the final words of a man in the last season of his life. And this is what he says to them in verse 3. You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. See, I have divided to you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes from the Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off as far as the great sea westward, the Mediterranean. And the Lord your God will expel them from before you and drive them out of your sight. So you shall possess their land as the Lord your God promised you. Therefore, be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. Now, this is very critical to this speech in chapter 23. So I'm going to repeat that. Be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. So if you want to summarize chapter 23 in a phrase, he's going to tell them, obey God completely. Obey God Completely, Because if you don't, he says in the rest of verse 6, lest you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left, and lest you go among these nations, these who remain among you, see, that's a problem. You shall not make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them, nor bow down to them, but you shall hold fast to the Lord your God, as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out from before you great and strong nations, But as for you, no one has been able to stand against you to this day. 
One man of you shall chase a thousand, for the Lord your God is he who fights for you, as he promised you. Therefore take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God. Or else if indeed you do go back and cling to the remnant of these nations, these that remain among you, and make marriages with them, and go into them, and they to you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps to you and scourges on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. That's all we have for today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. If you'd like to listen to this message in the book of Joshua again, Or if you'd like to explore other messages from Pastor Gary, just visit our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. Under the teachings option, you can download our mobile app to stay connected with God's Word everywhere you go. While you're there, you'll notice our companion resources. These digital study guides give you some additional insight into some of the studies Pastor Gary has done. They are completely free for you to use. If this ministry continues to be a blessing to you and you want to listen to more teachings, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify so you never miss another message. Cornerstone Connection is a ministry out of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you in person, so come visit us. You'll find service times and more information about Cornerstone Chapel at cornerstoneconnection.cc. With that, our time with you has come to an end for today, so Put a marker in your Bible, right there in Joshua, and we'll plan to study the Word again next time. Thanks so much for listening to Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not a General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.